Uh, Our sermon text this morning is Genesis chapter 1, the very start of your Bible. Uh, After we pray here, we'll be reading the first five verses, uh, Genesis 1, starting in verse 1. Let's pray. Well, Father, we do just bless you, and we bless you, Father, that in Christ we are safe, eternally safe. Uh, no matter what we do face, that we are hidden with Christ in God. We are now seated with Christ in heavenly places right now, though we are still walking through trials and suffering on this planet. So Lord, give us faith today to cling to Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for your word. We do thank you, Father, that you sustain us, you feed us, you, you fill us in and through your word. We ask that you would do that here this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Amen. Well, we are, we are finishing here this morning a little uh, three-week sermon series we've been doing. Uh, just a, a bit of a vision refresh for our church. Just kind of reminding all of us um, what our church is about, some of the things that we, we highly value, what we believe God has called us to do. We're finishing that today, this vision refresh. I'll go ahead and put our mission statement on the screen one final time. What we believe God has called us to do. We aim to make disciples of Jesus through gospel-centered community on mission for the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. And I've, as I mentioned for the last couple weeks, just breaking that down, we aim here to make disciples or mature followers of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus tells us in the Bible to make disciples. So we want to bring unbelievers to faith in Christ. We want to bring believers to maturity in Christ. And you could see in that mission statement there that we aim to make disciples in a particular way. Three important words, here they are um, underlined for you. We aim to make disciples through gospel, community, and mission. And we just believe that that is biblical, that that is the way God has designed every local church to make disciples. We feed on and we share the gospel, this word about the Lord Jesus Christ, as we live in some sort of life-on-life community with the other believers in our church, as we are on mission to bring the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, we... we um, um, we must, excuse me, let me back up here one second. Uh, the thing that I want to, to um, talk about today as we conclude this sermon is that last important word there in our mission statement, that word mission. One thing that we aim to do as a church is to make disciples of unbelievers, going out together to reach the lost. And we must, as a church, continue to encourage one another repeatedly to go out to the lost. 
Because churches so easily become very insular, very inward focused, really neglecting the lost. But the lost are why Jesus Christ came. Jesus said so himself. Here it is, Luke 19.10. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus now sends us as a church out to seek and to save the lost. And as we think about mission here today, I want to think about mission in terms of darkness and light. Because that is how the Bible talks about mission. And at the end today, I'm going to connect this, this sermon on mission, to church planting, which has a lot to do with darkness and light. So let me give you an opening statement here, and we'll then break it down. I first heard this statement from Tim Chester. He said this, he said, God's creative and missional purpose in this world is to overcome darkness by bringing light. God's creative and missional purpose in this world is to overcome darkness by bringing light. One of God's eternal purposes for this planet in both creation and in mission is to overcome darkness by spreading light. There are two parts to that statement that we'll look at today. Here they are. Number one, God's creative purpose. And two, God's missional purpose. Purpose. And the first thing here, point one, we'll think about for a second God's creative purpose. I just want you to look again at how the Bible describes this planet in its initial stages of creation. If you look at verse two again, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And God at this point, he had created the earth's substance out of nothing by the word of his power. But the earth at this point was still without form and void. The Hebrew words there for without form and void are tohu and bohu, not tofu. As if the world at this time was just a mass of curdled soybeans. No, it was at this point tohu and bohu. Tohu refers to a formlessness or a disorder, even even a chaos. The, the earth was not yet shaped and the Hebrew word bohu means empty. The world not yet filled with plants and animals and so on. And the earth was covered at this point with water. And verse 2 says, darkness was over the face of the deep. So this primeval wasteland of sorts, this unformed, unfilled mass, and the entire universe then cloaked in a very thick darkness. I wonder if you've ever been in a place so dark, uh, nighttime, no lights, and maybe no moon that night, so dark you couldn't see an inch in front of your face. Well, the universe at this point in time was much darker. No light whatsoever in the entire universe, a suffocating darkness, but God had a solution. And we now hear in the Bible God's first recorded words. If you look again at verse 3, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. 
And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Just, just four words spoken uh, by this creator God, let there be light. And instantly, this blazing, beautiful, physical light in our universe. And there would now, from this point on in human history, be, be this mixture of darkness and light, of night and day. But that's not the end of the story. Now, if you turn to the end of the Bible now, please turn to Revelation chapter 22. What we are looking at here are what many people would call the two bookends of the Bible. Genesis 1 to 3 and Revelation 21 to 22, two bookends. So turn to Revelation 22. In Genesis 1 to 3, we have God's first creation, our present heaven and earth. And Revelation 21 to 22 then is God's final creation in the future. After Christ's return, the new heavens and earth, as the Bible calls it, or our final home as believers. And I want you to look at Revelation 22, 5. Here's this final creation, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Praise God. That is our final creation, our final home as Christians. So put that together now. The Bible starting with a creation in total darkness. Then this mixture of darkness and light, and ending then with this creation in total light, all of Christ's followers then living, as hymn writers have said, in that eternal day. So, there is a sense in which God's first words in the Bible, let there be light, well, those words are then programmatic for the entire Bible. God's creative purpose. In all of his physical creation, one of God's primary purposes in creation is to overcome darkness by spreading light. And that's point number one, God's creative purpose. And point two then, God's missional purpose. You know God's first words there, let there be light. Well, that wasn't just God's plan for this world in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense. Because God knew from all eternity that this present world would not just be cloaked in a physical darkness in Genesis 1, but God knew it would also then be cloaked in a spiritual darkness in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, when all of humanity rebelled against God. Romans 5 says that sin and death then entered the entire human race, affecting all of creation. This entire universe was then essentially plunged into this deep spiritual darkness. Colossians 1 says that we now, in our natural born state, we live in a domain of darkness. Ephesians 5 says we are children of darkness in our natural born state. We are born blind, spiritually blind. You cannot see. 
spiritually. And the human race now speeding toward a final judgment for sin. And how does the Bible describe this final judgment for sin? Darkness. The prophet Jeremiah looked forward to this future final judgment. And Jeremiah described it like this in Jeremiah 4. He said, I looked on the earth and behold it was without form and void. And to the heavens and they had no light. This universe then in this judgment again in darkness. And the Hebrew words there for without form and void, tohu and bohu, same words we saw in Genesis. What was Jeremiah saying right there? He was saying there that this final future judgment for sin, it would be an act of decreation. This present world then returning in some way to its original state without form and void, a total darkness, disorder, chaos. Paul House says this, He says, Jeremiah portrays the coming judgment as a reversal of the creation process. The earth is once again without form and void. The heavens have no light. Or, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, 29, he said the sun will then be darkened. And the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from heaven. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. A dark world speeding towards a very dark judgment. And the Bible says that every sinner who then enters that final judgment in sin, well, they will then enter an eternal darkness. These are the words of Jesus himself, Matthew 22, 1. Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the the biblical record It does not just tell us of a physical darkness and a physical light. It tells us of a spiritual darkness as well. But God had a solution for that darkness too. Just four words. Let there be light. And the light for this darkness was God's own Son. The Bible says this about the birth of Christ in Matthew 4.16. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. The Lord Jesus Christ in His birth. Jesus later said this, John 12.46. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever... Whoever, whoever believes in me may not remain in that darkness. And John 8, 14, Jesus said, I am the light because God is light. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And can you see what had happened there in human history when Jesus came? Well, God himself The eternal Son of God, who is light, the Bible says, God had now entered Himself into the darkness of our world. Let there be light. And Jesus then on the cross, He took our darkness upon Himself. 
don't know if you remember, but when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says that upon the entire land that day, there was a physical darkness. It was a picture of the spiritual darkness Jesus was now in, taking our sin, our judgment upon Himself on the cross. Jesus took our darkness in order that we might have His light freely, whoever believes and clings to Him. Just turn from your sin now in repentance and you cling to Christ in faith. You cry out for mercy. You follow Christ in faith. And Jesus just said, John 8, that you now have the light of life. That you now no longer walk in darkness. And I, I want you to see here I want you to see then how the Bible describes this thing that has now happened in the life of every Christian. You ready? Here it is, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said light shine out of darkness, back in Genesis, has now shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What happens when an individual become a Christian? Well, God has looked at you and said, let there be light. And the blindness is gone. And your heart of stone is gone. You have a heart of flesh. You see Jesus in all His radiant beauty. And you cling to Him now. Not perfectly, but once you truly see, you will never let Him know. Because you know He is way better than anything else you have. He is now the affection of your life. You now see light. You now live in light. You now, Christian, the Bible says, are a child of light, no longer a child of the darkness. It's an act of recreation when somebody becomes a Christian. Tim Chester says this. He says creation happens all over again when someone becomes a Christian. At creation, God spoke and there was light. And again, God speaks and there is light. Praise God. That is an amazing thing. So, those four opening words from God in the Bible, let there be light, that is much more than just a physical statement from God, but also a spiritual, that He would overcome the darkness in this world by spreading light. Here's the beautiful thing, when you come into the kingdom of God through faith, you come to Christ and you're now a child of light, here's the beautiful thing, is that we as Christians, now children of light, living in the light, well, God now works through us to spread more light. God first calls you as a baby Christian into a community, the body of Christ, a local church. And do you know that a local church, it has been designed by God to be a community of light. A community of light that shines out. That spreads the light of Christ even more. Jesus, you remember in John 8, He said, I am the light of the world. But do you know that Jesus then turns around in Matthew 5.14 and He says this, He says, you are the light of the world. You 
And, and the Greek word there for you, let me, let me finish reading it. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father is in heaven. And the you there, as in you now are light of the world, in the Greek it is not singular, as in you Christian all by yourself, you are now the light of the world. It is plural in the Greek, y'all are the light of the world. Y'all, yep, I see some of my southern friends raising their hands. Y'all are the light of the world, you plural, as in the community. The body of Christ, a local church, we are called by God, designed by God to be a community of light. Designed by God to shine out, to spread the light of Christ even more to those still trapped in darkness. God now working through us to overcome darkness by spreading light. Let there be light. You know, the great news is that light is far more powerful than darkness. Light can overcome the darkness. Darkness does not overcome light. A flashlight can light up a dark room. But there's no such thing as a flash dark that can darken a lighted room. Light is far more powerful than darkness. So even though we as a church, we might feel at times to be very frail, to be, to be very, very weak, powerless in and of ourselves, the light we carry is infinitely powerful, can easily overcome the darkness in the hearts and minds of those around us. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Darkness does not quench the light. Light invades the darkness. And that is God's missional purpose in the Bible. Back to that opening statement we read. God's creative and missional purpose in this world. One of God's primary purposes in both creation and mission is to overcome darkness by spreading light. Let there be Light. And mission, therefore, it is one of the primary values that we have as a church. We do not gather just as unbelievers to wall ourselves off from the world, holy huddles, scared of the world. That's not how God designed a church. It's in our mission statement. We aim to make disciples of both believers, but also of unbelievers through gospel-centered community living life on life with one another on a mission to win the lost. The community of light designed by God to both demonstrate in the way we love one another and also to declare in our words the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are designed by God to be a community of light. To shine here in the East Metro. That's why we're here. That's why God planted us. So God, cause your face to shine upon us that the world might know your greatness. It's not just God shine on us. It's God shine on us that the world might see your greatness. 
So, <laughs> we go for it. Uh, we're very broken people, but we go for it, you know, on mission to reach the lost, to shine as God has called us to do. We do aim as a church to build relationships with the unbelievers around us. Where, wherever we live and wherever we work and we ever, wherever we, we play in, in this area, we, we do actively, intentionally seek to engage the people around us, our, our neighbors, our, our co-workers, our, our, the people on our kids' sports teams. We encourage one another to engage the people around us, to build relationships, to love those people really well. We want all of our life groups to have a missional engagement. All of the members of a group should be working and working together to reach the lost. We talk about living B-I-G as a church. B, we want to build relationships with unbelievers. I, we want to introduce those unbelievers to our community. And that doesn't just mean bringing them in here on Sunday. It could be bringing them into your relationships out there or into your life group. B, I, and G. In that community, people, those unbelievers, can then see the gospel lived out among Christians and they can also hear the gospel proclaimed. And people come to Christ, Lord willing. Mission is not just something we do in here on Sunday, trying to draw the darkness in to our light. No, we've been created to be light that shines, that goes out. It 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 goes out. Light goes out. Out, designed to do that by God, going into the darkness, engaging the lost out there through the week. God now working through us to overcome darkness by spreading light. Let there be light. God's creative and missional purpose. And for a minute here now, I just want to connect that to church planting. Because we believe that is one of the primary ways that God calls every church to spread His light. God starts a church like this, a community of light, in order that we then might multiply. Starting more communities of light. We've seen it. If you've been with us for a while, I've been preaching through the book of Acts. And we've seen it all through the book of Acts. God spreading the light of Christ through the planting of more and more and more and more local churches. Steve Timmis says this. He says, multiplying churches is God's mission strategy. Every church should be a church planting church. Every church without exception. Church planting is not just for those that have a special interest or capacity. Church planting is the preferred divine method of evangelism, of kingdom expansion, of fruit bearing, of disciple making, of men and women being rescued from darkness to light. Church planting is the preferred divine method for spreading light in a dark world. God progressively overcoming more and more of the darkness in this globe through the planting of additional local churches like, like this one here. And you know, you know what God does? God's mission strategy, here it is. God's plan is to litter 
this earth with communities of light. To litter this entire earth one at a time with communities of light. Just picture, just picture that spreading. I've seen before a video, I watch it again this week. You can look at a map of the entire um, population or the, of the entire globe. You can look at it spread out. And then the video kind of runs through history. And as you run through history, every time a city reaches at least a million people, a light shows up on the map. And if you watch that video and you consider that each of those lights are a church, you can then just see lights, lights beginning to go off all over the globe. These little communities of light, these little churches spreading all around the globe until the knowledge of God's glory is spread around this earth as the waters cover the sea, as the Bible says. It's just this crazy thing called church planting. You know, and it is crazy at times. It's it's a wild ride. We did it here 10 years ago. Thank God we're still here. (laughs) We could have come off the rails 62 different times, but here we are by the grace of God. And we're now working as a church to plant several other communities of light. Tim and Maria Stadahar, CRC members, are now in Kazakhstan looking to plant Churches, communities of light among an unreached people group. And Will and Sarah Myron, also CRC members, they are also looking to plant communities of light, churches overseas. You'll hear from them in just a second. Both of those overseas efforts, both of those efforts, they need our help. They, they need our help as, as a church. You, you don't go out by yourself to, to plant a church. We plant churches as a church. They, they need our help. They need financial support. They need prayer support. It is an opportunity for you to be involved in the planting of new communities of light globally. And I would encourage you to, to pray about how you might help with those church planting efforts. Or, as you heard earlier, we also now have an opportunity here locally with Josh and Lindsay Williams, who will be leading the charge here soon, Lord willing, to plant a new community of light, a new church in West St. Paul. And Josh has been with us as a resident for several months. Uh, we have fallen in love with Josh. We probably will not let him go plant a church. Uh, I'm kidding. We will. Uh, but um, fallen in love with this man and, and his wife, um, Josh, many of you probably don't know, he has been working hard behind the scenes to do some initial prep work uh, for this uh, potential church plant in West St. Paul. And we are now moving this church plant onto the front burner in our church. You will start hearing a lot more now about this church planting effort as we start to ramp things up. Um, Josh, as you've heard, is leading uh, an informational meeting today. There is a lunch there as well. You are invited to come. I'd encourage you to come and hear. I trust your heart will be encouraged by that. And we would like everyone in our church to start praying now. To start considering what is my role in the planting of this new community of light Because again, it's not just Josh and Lindsay who are going to go out to plant a church. It's all of us. 
we as a community of light will will hopefully litter West St. Paul with another community of light. And we'd like everyone to start praying in the coming days. What is your role to help in this church planning effort? You know, it could be that God will call you to be a sender, as we say, with this church plant. You, you might help to send this church out well, providing prayer support, pro- providing financial support, or God might also call you to be a goer, joining with this church plant in West St. Paul. And we have been praying that God would stir the hearts of many to go. You know, we've said this many times, but God doesn't create us as a church to be a lake, to just pool all of our people and resources here. He creates us to be a river. And He sends us people and resources and we want to build them up and we want to send them back out. And that could be you to be sent out with this church plant. I would encourage you to pray and ask if God is sending you. And as you pray about this thing, and as we start talking about it more, I want to give you just a few things to consider here. A couple of things to know about church planting in general. And here they are on the screen. Number one, church planting is missionary. Church planting is missionary. When you plant a church, you don't just take a load of Christians And move them into a new area and then just put them there where they start a new service full of a bunch of Christians. No, that's more of a church plop than a church plant. You're just plopping Christians into a new area. But church planting is missionary. It's a small group of Christians heading to a new area and looking to spread light in the darkness. With church planting, think of a, of a team of missionaries looking to plant a church in Ghana or something. You assemble the team, you pray, you plan, then you head into that area to reach the lost, to spread light. A church out of that then grows. You can think of Paul in the book of Acts. That's what he's doing. He has a team of people with him. They move into new areas. They spread light, sharing the gospel of Christ. They're bringing new people to Christ. And out of that, these churches then grow. Church plants, not church plops. And when you stop and think about this, that church planting is a missionary work, then I would say this to you. That means that there are lots of wrong reasons why you might join this church plant in West St. Paul. If you are just looking for a smaller church than CRC, or if you're just looking for a church that's closer to your home, or if you're just disgruntled with CRC, you're disgruntled with the crazy lead pastor or or something like that, and, and you need a new church, church home, you need new relationships, you just want a fresh start, if those are your reasons, then please do not go with this church plant. Because you will simply weigh it down. You will simply slow the momentum of this thing. Don't just plop yourself into this new church. But if you're ready to join a group of people on mission, 
And you're ready to link arms with other believers and to work to spread that light of Christ. This church plant might be you, be for you. It's a, it's a missionary work. It doesn't mean you have to be a perfect missionary. It doesn't even mean you have to be comfortable sharing the gospel. You just have to be ready to join with a group of people who are saying, let's spread light in West St. Paul. That's what we're about just gathering existing light in West St. Paul, but let's go and let's spread light here through the planting of a new church. And another thing to consider there, church planting is messy. So as you pray about it, please just uh, manage your expectations. When we first planted this church almost 10 years ago now, many of you will remember that one thing we did repeatedly was we managed expectations over and over and over again. Because, listen, it's so easy to view church planting through these rose-colored glasses. And you think, wow, a new church, how cool is that? And it is so cool. And it can be messy. It's just not easy at times. Listen, you, you don't start with a full-service church. You know, you, you just don't. You, do, you don't have all the bells and whistles in your church plant right off the bat. I mean, we had this little scaled-down service. We hoped we had a guy with a guitar who could lead some songs. We passed out papers. Here's what we're singing. We had a sermon, and we just did it. You try to engage people in the neighborhoods, and you, you, you just go. You won't have in this thing a full-blown youth ministry right off the start. You know, the good news, if you do have youth, you can still leverage our youth group here until you're up and running in West St. Paul. That, that's fantastic. But this is going to take time. It's very bare bones to start. You have to build new relationships in the community. You have to work through conflict together with the other believers as you're getting this thing going. You, you, you have to figure out how to reach the lost, how to do your missional communities. You have to find a place to meet, a place for your service. I'm going to lead music. I'm going to start a nursery, a bulletin website, ad nauseum. <laughs> and on and on and on. And you know, church planning, they say, is like building an airplane while you're flying it. So if you're just looking for a smaller put-together airplane right off the bat, please don't go with this church plant. Just don't do it because your expectations right out of the door or you're just going to be upset with this thing. But if you're okay with a little messy for a while and you're ready to link arms with other believers, you're ready to work through a little bit of mess you're willing to roll up your sleeves and work to serve others and not just to serve yourself. If this church plant can be about others and you're not just going as a consumer to receive something new for you, then this church plant might be for you. Church planting is missionary. It is messy at times. But one final thing there, just to keep the M in the word, church planting is also magnificent. This is God's ordained plan for spreading light through the planting of local churches. This is God's ordained plan. We have the privilege, the opportunity to take part in what God is doing to spread light around the globe. And it might seem small. It's this one church plant, but in the kingdom of God, small is big. And slow is fast. Man, if you, if you will align yourself with God's plan in this world, 
with church planting, maybe this church planting effort in, Saint, in West St. Paul, you will experience a serious joy in God. You'll experience the exhilarating pleasure of starting a new work, of seeing the gospel advance, bringing the beautiful gospel message of Christ to people who've never heard before. You'll have the privilege of seeing hurting people find hope, the, the, the thrill of adventure, the opportunity for you to be molded by God as you go with other believers in community on mission. You'll have the privilege of working side by side with other believers and with Christ himself in a new harvest field. And it is a harvest field. You've you got to be ready to roll up your sleeves a bit. But if you just got a heart to join in with something like that, I'd encourage you to consider it. You align yourself with God's plan in this world and you look to glorify God in planting a church and you get the joy that comes from glorifying God in the planting of a new church. It's the last part of our mission statement. God gets the glory. We get the joy. And the other people around us get the joy. That's how God will ultimately fill this dark world with light through the planting of local churches. God littering this earth with communities of light. Let there be light. And what will we ultimately see as God's people? What will we see? Here it is once more, Revelation 22, 5. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. It will be done. No more darkness, no more sin, no more curse, but only light. Right now what I'd like to do is I'd like to call up Will and I think Sarah is maybe coming with Will. Yes or no? Okay, Will is coming up. Um, As he's coming, the Myrans, as I mentioned, have been working for months now to go overseas to plant churches. It has not been an easy journey for the Myrans because church planting is missionary work and it can be messy, can't it? Uh, But God is good and Will has a very important update for us. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Like Brett said, I'm Will. Um, I am quite confident that uh, some of you probably don't know who we are because I have definitely not met several of you. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about our story before we give our update, um, uh, mostly for that reason. So my wife, Sarah, she's sitting over there with one of our three kids. Um, We started coming to CRC about seven years ago, and uh, man, it instantly became family for us. Uh, We got plugged into a life group really quick, and one of the many transforming things that the Spirit did um, in our lives through living life on life, on mission, um, in community with His people was he started to wake up that mission identity in us that Brett was just talking about. Um, While Sarah and I loved and were following Jesus, um, that missional component of our faith uh, realistically was asleep. But as we began to walk through um, more fully and experientially our missional identity as God's people, the Spirit started to wake that up. 
um, and wake us up to what it meant to live life on mission in community. And then about three years ago, uh, we felt the Lord calling us to another mission field um, as missionary church planners to Ireland. This was um, extraordinarily challenging for us for two reasons. Uh, The first is uh, church planning terrified us. And the second was that meant we needed to leave our family here. And by family, I mean this family. Um, And that was by far the hardest part. Um, This this really is our family. This is our people that that we belong to, that God has created. And um, that was hard. But then we began to realize that that is exactly why we want to go. God has so richly blessed us, uh, dwelt among us, transformed us in and through this family, that what we want to do in this world uh, more than anything else is be, is be used by God to create that elsewhere. That is what church planting is. Man, God created a a unique community of his people here in Woodbury, Minnesota, Um, a people experiencing life as the family of God together and inviting people to share into that and spreading that out. And now God wants to take out of that um, and create new communities um, of his unique people in contexts that has never experienced that before. A pocket of light in the dark. And Ireland, for all its natural and cultural beauty, is a very dark place. Uh, Ireland has the lowest um, evangelical population of any English-speaking country, less than 1%. It is a country that is very familiar with religion as a majority Roman Catholic country, um, but it has next to no understanding of this, of intimately knowing Jesus as a part of God's family together. And so with CRC's blessing, we began this journey to the global mission field, finished all of our training, um, had all of our support raised, and we're ready to go back in April of last year. And then we hit a bit of a snag. Um, We couldn't get a visa into the country. Ireland, uh, just as we were getting our support raised, changed its visa process for religious workers. And no evangelical Christians were being let into the country, and they were being kicked out of the country. Our immigration lawyer said, uh, at this time, I just don't think it's possible. Outside of a miraculous act of God. And we were like, hey, we believe in those. (laughs) So uh, we kept trying. Um, But after multiple failed attempts, we had to conclude that God was closing the door to Ireland. Uh, This, again, was very difficult because we felt specifically called to Ireland. Um, It was confusing. It was disorienting. And so we, we, it was hard, but we began to look at other countries. Um, And part of that, man, is just, it was learning that, Uh, God was worth following. He was worth following uh, wherever that was. And then, um, yeah, so we were doing that. And then nine nine days ago, 
Um, during that whole process of looking at other countries, when well, we thought that door was closed, um, we sent in one last appeal as like a Hail Mary pass um, to Ireland. And nine days ago, we got an email from Ireland's Immigration Service, and they approved our visa. <clears throat> Like, God is the only explanation on this thing. Um, If you had followed it at all, uh, this thing had no chance. Um, And of the many, many people that were applying for this thing, uh, we're we're now one of two that have been approved in the last 12 months. And, like, ours specifically had no shot. (laughs) Um, But then God did it. God opened the door. um, And he didn't have to do it. Uh, he, we easily could have went somewhere else. Um, he didn't have to do it, but he did it. And now we're headed to Ireland. Uh, so we plan to leave uh, the first or second week in March. So in six or seven weeks from now. Um, yeah, and we wanted to share our story uh, today. I wanted me just to update you on the news because it's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, we wanted to, one, just give glory to God together. Um, he just, he gets all, all the credit for this. Um, and it's been one of the joys is that you guys have been able to be a part of this so you can walk with us through it and see, and, um, and see God's glory. Um, so yeah, we praise Jesus. The second part is we wanted to thank you. Uh, thank you for walking with us through this. It's been a hard last season of waiting. Um, and you guys have had so much support, uh, through your encouragement. And so we just want to thank you for that. Thank you for praying. Um, We have a God who hears, and we have a dad who cares. And he answered, so thank you. Uh, Three, we want to encourage you towards mission and community. Um, If you're not experiencing that in a life group yet, man, do it. Uh, it It is worth it. Um, and we also want to encourage you to listen to Josh after service um, about what's going on in West St. Paul. Again, it's hard to leave this family. It's scary to move to a new context, but it is worth following Jesus there. And West St. Paul needs to experience Jesus working through the family of God. Um, and then four, we wanted to know you to know who we are, if you don't, um, because we are being sent from you. Like Brett said, we don't do this alone. Um, We are going. You are sending through care, through prayer, and through finances. And that is how we do global missions together. Uh, So uh, please come talk to us. We'll we'll be in the back, um, by the back table. Um, We'll have little sign-up contact cards if you want to be on our our newsletter or if you'd be interested in um, partnering with us in any way. And we did drop in support a little bit in this kind of weird waiting season this last fall. And so we're about $500 a month short of where our missions agency wants us to be before we take off. So um, if you sense God calling you to support us in that way at all, come talk to us. Um, And if not, come talk to us anyways. Um, But thank you all. That is fantastic. 
that is really, um, I know many of you have really prayed. We have sought the Lord on behalf of the Myrans and God's will for this. Um, the Lord really got them to a place, I think, where they were pliable and ready to go wherever the Lord directed. And then right at that moment, the Lord opens the door because light overcomes darkness. And it doesn't matter how many doors darkness has shut when God wants to open a door. God opens the door. He is all-powerful. And uh, so we praise God with you, Myrans. This is a, a team deal here, and we're happy to be joined with you um, to, to help send you out. I've said this before. This is a tough send for us as a church because we love the Myrans. They truly are part of our family here. But God did not create us to be a lake, but to be a river to receive people in and see them built up, to see their hearts stirred for mission, and God then to send them out to spread the light of Christ. And we thank God that our church, Lord willing, will now have a foothold in Ireland for the glory of God and for the joy of the people there in Ireland. So we praise God for that. What a great thing that is. Praise God. Well, let's, uh, let's pray here. Oh, Father, we bless you. We, we, um, your ways are amazing, Lord, that, uh, that this door would be just shut. And, Father, um, we just love that you, as the Bible says, are a God who hears prayer. Jesus said, you said, ask and you receive. And we just, we just thank you, Lord. You are a good Father who cares and that uh, you have heard these prayers. And, we trust, Father, now that the one who's begun the good work with the Myrans will be faithful to complete it. And you will help them, Lord, um, as they prepare to go. You will help them to uh, get settled in Ireland. You will help them, Father, to build relationships with their team there. You will help them, Lord, to begin to engage a dark world there. Those still trapped in darkness, those who don't know the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus, they can't see it yet. And we would just pray, Father, there in Ireland and just working through all the pockets of our church, the Lord God, you would say again, let there be light. And Father, these relationships we've been building maybe for years in life groups or in our neighborhoods or the people we've been reaching out to or Bible studies we've been doing or nursing homes we've been visiting or whatever it is, Lord God, we would just look to you and say, oh God, help us. You're the only one that can work through these instruments, through these avenues. You're the only one who can say, let there be light. The only one who can change hearts. And so we'd say, yes, Lord, for your glory and for our joy and for the joy of all these people. Will you just speak again by the Holy Spirit? Let there be light. And Father, will you just stir our hearts again as a church to shine, Lord. To love each other so well in a way that really does demonstrate the love of Christ. Jesus, you said, they will know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. So, Lord, help us to love one another, but then help us to let that love be seen, demonstrating the good news of the gospel. And then, Lord, give us the, the courage to share the gospel when those, those doors are open. So we pray for your help, Father. Thank you, Lord. We do know, Jesus, you have sent us to make disciples. And it is disciples of one another, but also disciples of the lost. So help us, we pray. And we thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Amen. Let's all stand together and sing.